Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I was thinking back to the last year in tech policy. Can you name a major bill that Congress passed? I can name many they've talked about, none that they have (laughs) passed. (laughs) Welcome back to Politico Tech, and Happy New Year. Today is Tuesday, January 2nd. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. Last year, Congress was all talk and little action when it came to passing new tech laws. States, on the other hand, passed dozens of them. California, Texas, and Montana, not Washington, D.C., have been busy setting the U.S. tech agenda. And that power dynamic led me to call Matt Peralt. You've heard Matt on the podcast before. He spent nearly a decade on Facebook's public policy team, and now he's the director of the Center on Technology Policy at the University of North Carolina. You know, I was really interested in doing an episode around this idea that the states are kind of this hotbed for tech policy and came across this report that you all have put out from UNC, which essentially says exactly that. I think by our account, the right number for bills significant bills in tech policy that Congress passed last year, I think the right number is zero. If it's not zero, it's very it's very few. And by our count, at least, for the issues that we tracked at the state level, there were 65 bills passed in the last session. And so I think one of the implicit arguments in the report is, if you want to just track debates, you can track what's going on in Washington. But in terms of where the actually actual activity is in terms of giving rights or imposing restrictions or requiring transparency, um, the activity is is really at the state level. As we kick off an election year, federal lawmaking will almost certainly grind to a halt. But state capitals, they may be busier than ever, tackling issues like artificial intelligence, data privacy, and kids' online safety. On the show today, Matt lays out his predictions for the state-driven tech agenda in 2024. Some of the predictions that you've made for for where tech policy is going in the states. Mm -hmm. One of the predictions is that at least one state you think is going to pass the the first comprehensive AI legislation in the U.S. What are you expecting exactly? What we saw in artificial intelligence specifically in 2023 was a lot of bills that were focused on capacity building um, or issue-specific areas, like very sort of narrow niche issues. But we didn't see comprehensive regulation. And so our view is... There are sort of two different ways to think about it, I guess. One is what states did will be all that states do, that they'll do these capacity building laws to try to learn more, and that might inform future regulation, but it might just be about gathering data and learning. Another way to think about it is that it's setting the stage for at least some states to really try to take steps to regulate AI more comprehensively. And so we tried to be diligent in our predictions and not just have sort of wishy-washy stuff like more states will debate this issue. And so we were really trying to think like, is comprehensive legislation going to pass? And we think given the composition of state governments that it's likely that at least one bill will pass. But the fun thing is if we talk in a year, we might have a conversation about how we were wrong about that. I'm curious if that does come to pass, if we see a state pass comprehensive AI legislation, Mm -hmm. what is the impact of that? Because Washington is talking about it, but the chances of it happening in in D.C. in an election year are, are slim to none. I, I, you know, there, there is, there could be an enormous number of different impacts. I think it's really hard to speculate. But one thing that companies have been really concerned about is the development of a patchwork of laws. So you can imagine if there are 50 state comprehensive AI regulatory regimes, 
it will be very difficult for companies to comply with that. They might have to offer a different version of an AI product in North Carolina versus in Virginia um, or in Virginia versus New Jersey. And that is really complicated technically to do. And also, I think in lots of ways, it doesn't really make sense. Like, why should your rights vis-a-vis an AI product shift just because you drive 20 miles over the border. So it, so I think a patchwork could be, um, challenging. It's also, it's, it's challenging from a user's perspective. Like we want to know what our rights are with this product and we don't want to have different rights when we go home over the holidays to see our family. Right. And then when we come back to where we live, but it's particularly challenging for smaller companies. So smaller companies typically are not able to devote as many resources to compliance. They don't have thousand person legal teams that they can An army deploy of to handle this kind of stuff. Else. Yeah, exactly. So I actually think it has it typically would have competitive effects as well, where it's you know it's harder for smaller companies to keep up. This patchwork of regulation has long been talked about, and yeah, in terms of data privacy, there's been a lot of hand wringing from industry on it. What you're finding is a lot of states are adopting laws very much based on what Washington state has done, right? Yeah. You know, eight states passed comprehensive privacy laws in 2023, bringing the total number to 13. Yeah. So what are, what are we looking at for this coming year on the privacy front? Yeah. So, so eight states passed comprehensive privacy law last year. All were based on the Washington Privacy Act model. And one sort of funny thing about it is you said, um, they're all following in Washington's footsteps, but actually Washington hasn't even passed this law. So it's just a proposal that was introduced in Washington. So it's a model that others have used. Now there are 13 and 12 out of the 13 with California of the, as the exception have followed this path. We are not critical of a patchwork concept or the arguments that were made by industry about a patchwork. I think the thing that the concept of a patchwork doesn't fully take into account, though, is whether the laws are in conflict or whether they're interoperable. And so you could have different states that are passing laws. And as long as they all operate well together, that doesn't create a compliance issue for companies. The significant thing I think that companies would be concerned about is when there are conflicts. So you have to Keep some speech up in Florida, but remove it in New York. Those kinds of conflicts are very difficult to deal with. And so I think in the early days of this discussion, the general view was we need comprehensive privacy legislation to be at the federal level because that's the only way that we can ensure that we have an interoperable set of laws. Mm. And I just think what we have seen, at least to date, is that it's playing out in a different way with states passing more of an interoperable framework. Are you expecting more states to pass that same law in the in the new year? Yeah, so we don't know enough about every specific state and the particular sure. legislators who might be concerned about privacy and how those dynamics would play out and what they're hearing from constituents. So I think it's a little bit hard to say, like, here are the five states, or it's hard, I should say, for us to say, here are the five states where we expect privacy legislation to happen. But one thing that we do include in the report is a list of all the states that don't have comprehensive privacy legislation that do have trifectas. So there are 28 in total that have trifectas meaning that there's a significant amount of single-party control in that state. 16 are Republican, so states like Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Nebraska, South Dakota. And then 12 are Democratic, so Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, um, and several others. And so we think those are probably the states to look to as places that are most likely to consider and then be able to pass comprehensive privacy reform. And if all of these states are passing similar kind of interoperable privacy laws, does that basically make a federal law moot? Well, I don't know if it necessarily makes it moot in that I still think that there's value in creating a privacy regime that exists for every American. That just sort of intuitively, I think, makes sense. And I think it makes sense 
from a from a user perspective again so that like crossing boundary state boundaries you have the same rights that you would have in one state and another um and it makes sense from a company perspective because these companies i think for tech platforms offering figuring out how to geo target different users based on state level granularity i think is challenging again i think particularly for smaller companies so i think there's value there's there's plenty of value in a federal law but if we had 50 states or 49 plus California that have a similar interoperable model. And that essentially means, you know, as we said, the term that we use was a de facto national standard. It essentially does create a federal reality for privacy rules. Companies have clear guidance about what they have to offer and users have a really clear sense of the rights that they have. And so, you know, again, I think that there's room and there's value in the creation of a federal standard. But I think if every single state were to pass this a law that, that was interoperable, then in some ways we might arrive in largely the same place. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. Well, then another issue where this sort of same dynamic seems to be happening is around children's online safety, where that's been a really hot policy issue the past year. You found 13 states have passed laws, including laws that restrict social media access for minors or require sites with adult content to verify ages of their users. Are we likely to see that continue in, in the new year? And how does that play out in your view? Yeah, I think it's, it is very likely. So we saw 23 laws actually passed in online child safety last year. Um, and as you said, across 13 states. So there was significant ac- activity here. Republican states and Democrat states are interested in this issue. And so I think there's probably a lot of room to go. And I think it's likely that we'd see more child safety legislation in the year ahead. Child safety actually was the most active area for state lawmakers this past year. I really think in many ways, again, when you're tr- if you're trying to look holistically at what is the arc of tech policy governance in the United States in 2023, I think child safety is probably the lead story. Well, it's fascinating because the it's sort of ties into like this parental rights movement that has emerged even beyond just tech issues. But then it's also I mean, when you talk about kids being harmed, right? It's like that's the kind of thing that Democrat or Republican can kind of bring people to the table despite ideological differences. Definitely. I mean, I think it is an issue that there's almost unanimous, a unanimous view across party lines that it's very important that minors have a positive experience online, um, that that experience is as good as possible and that harms are mitigated to the extent that that's possible. So there's really strong bipartisan support for the issue. I think the solutions are much more challenging. It's actually very hard, I think, to do this without significant implications in terms of free expression and, and the expression rights of minors and to do it without any kind of interference with kids' privacy. Because if you do things like impose age verification requirements, you end up requiring people to do things like submit identification or um, other other uh, types of methodologies by tech companies that encourage them to learn more about their users. And in the privacy side of things, often we're asking tech companies to know less about their users. So I do think there are things about these solutions that are intention and that raise really hard and challenging questions. 
I, I think one of the things that's encouraging about seeing this happen at the state level is that, um, you know, there's the term states are laboratories of democracy. And in, in this issue, we may be seeing some of that. There's a high volume of legislation. There are lots of different models. And hopefully we'll learn from those models about what different types of policy mechanisms work best and which ones are more problematic. There's one prediction I have to ask you about from your your 2023 prediction okay. not that did not seem to come true. Maybe you can yeah. antici- you can anticipate. Yeah. I want to ask about this, and that's you know you predicted essentially that states would kind of take a swing at social media platforms for for how they moderate online content. Yeah, we d- we didn't see those laws really come to pass this year though. Yeah, why, why not? The hard thing about making predictions is then people can see exactly how wrong you are. So one of the sort of fun and humbling things about the report is because we had done one last year, we got to look back at all the things that we said last year. And there was a lot of stuff that we got wrong. And so, you know, that that is humbling, but it's also really interesting. And I I think it forces some discipline in our work that's really like exciting and motivating for me because it makes you really think makes you think in a more specific and more grounded and rigorous way when you make a prediction about what the basis for it is. In in this area, I think it really has to do with how much is up in the air legally about what states can do. Um, That's true in content moderation, but it's true in other areas too. Like it's true in child safety as well. Um, Some of the laws that have been passed have been held up in court and there are important appeals processes that um, will play out over the course of the next year that will say a lot, I think, about what states can do in this area. There are pending cases now in the Supreme Court on content moderation that I think are probably going to shape what the legislation looks like this year. So um, there's a case, uh, Net, uh, Trade Association Net Choice has challenged must-carry laws in Texas and Florida. That case will be heard this term. If those laws are held up, then I think it's very likely that we would see a, a, a large number of states with Republican trifectas pass similar laws this term. If those states are struck down, then I think we probably wouldn't see as much activity. There's also one sort of interesting outcome, which is that those laws um, have must-carry requirements, but they also have some transparency requirements requiring tech companies to publish certain information about their content moderation practices. And Democrats and Republicans both like elements of transparency. So it's possible the must-carry provisions will be struck down and the transparency requirements would be upheld. And if that's the case, then I think we might see a lot of a lot of activity and transparency um, in the legislative sessions ahead where both Republican states and Democrat states are imposing new requirements on tech companies to be more transparent. I did think it was fascinating that there's sort of these handful of court cases that, depending on which way they go, could ignite sort of an entire uh, explosion of, of tech policy. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. So, um, so we had a framing in the report that my co-author, um, Scott Brennan, who leads online expression policy at our center came up with. And I, and I think it was really insightful on his part. Um, states can play different roles on these issues. So states could be trailblazers, for instance, where they're really, really leading the charge. So in privacy, they're really, they, they really are doing that. That's, they, they are at the forefront, as you said, like we may not even need a federal law if states continue to be as active as they've been here. Um, there are also barometers. And I think in what we're talking about now with waiting for court decisions, they're really functioning more like barometers. Like they're going to learn about the scope of their ability to make law in certain areas on certain topics. And once they're informed about that, then we would see the legislative process adjust in response to what they see from courts. And then there are also cases where they serve more as passengers. So there are in the litigation, um, on litigation, for instance, there are a few different areas where federal government initiated antitrust litigation and states jumped on board and they're, mm-hmm. they've added state claims alongside the federal claims. Um, I want to ask you about the, the government trifecta dynamic, meaning that one party controls all three branches. How does that affect what you see happening in 2024? Yeah, so 
2023, 39 states had trifectas. A trifecta is where one party controls House, Senate, and Governor's Mansion. And a significant percentage of bills that were passed in tech policy last year were passed by trifectas. So by our estimate, 86% of tech legislation passed by states last year were passed by trifectas. Now, 39 states is not just a big number for 2023. We actually found that it was a a historic number. So we looked back at data. The farthest back that we could get data on trifectas was 1992. So we know that at least since 1991, there have never been more trifectas. And it seems like probably that if you had data going back a lot further than that, that 39 would still be a historic number. The number of trifectas in 1992 was 19. So dramatically different level of single party control at the state level now than there was, you know, decades ago. In 2024, and this is why it's relevant to your question, in 2024, that that historic number goes up one. So actually, 40 of 50 states will have trifectas. And so the architecture of state government is really poised to enact policy. Is there a partisan breakdown there? The state's controlled by Democrats versus Republicans. What difference have you seen in terms of what policies get passed? So, so in child safety, we actually found that Republicans passed four times as many bills as Democrats. Both parties were interested in the issue, but more of the legislation was coming from the Republican side. So I do think that there is a partisan nature to this, but we've seen Republican trifectas and Democrat trifectas both pass comprehensive privacy legislation, and we've seen both parties be interested in, in AI legislation. Like I was saying about transparency, you know, that's an issue that both parties are interested in. So if the Supreme Court upholds the Florida and Texas transparency provisions, then I think it's likely that we would see states of either party move forward with transparency proposals. I'd have one last question for you. One last prediction I'm going to ask you to make that was not in your report. So okay. we'll, see, we'll see if okay. you go with this. Um, okay. Looking back at your previous report, you counted 28 tech bills that were passed in the states in 2021 and 2022 combined. Okay. In 2023, you counted 65 tech bills that were passed. A year from now, when we have this conversation, how, <laughs> how many tech bills passed in 2024? What's your, what's your over-under? Why don't you give me the over-under and I'll take the over or the under. All right. Well, if it's, it went from 28 to 65, so we'll just double it and we'll say, one. You know, what is it, 130? Yeah, I would probably take the under on that. But but who knows? I mean, it would certainly I, I think there is a question of whether 65 is well, first of all, I think numbers are a little silly here. I guess that's important to say, like sure. they, they, they represent something. But on the flip side, like, you know, a state could pass one meaningful comprehensive privacy bill, and that could really shape how tech policy looks in the state more significantly, maybe than if they passed five very small AI bills that were focused on very specific industries. Definitely. And my guess is that we wouldn't see just like every year twice as many as the year before, even if we continued with the current political architecture. I think if I were predicting the specific number, I'd say somewhere between 65 and 130. Okay. And my my reason for asking, I'll say, is not that, as you said, the exact number certainly doesn't matter, (laughs) but I think it indicates a trajectory, right, in terms of how important these issues are to state governments, how many states are actually passing laws in the tech space, you know, that's sort of a, an interesting metric to evaluate that. Yeah, that, so that, that, that's one That's one way. I mean, the other thing that's interesting, again, I don't know, I, I don't, I, I'm not aiming to be critical of Congress, so I'm not saying this in that way, but another way to look at it is what will the ratio be of bills passed at the state level to bills passed at the federal level? 
you know, right now it's 65 to zero or 65 to one or 65 to two. I, I think that ratio is likely to continue. And, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, actually. I guess my, my, my thought is it's probably not good that like the nature of this issue is that some amount of national governance is valuable. But that ratio sort of says something important, I think, about where, you know, where we're seeing rights and responsibilities shift in tech policy. Right. Well, listen, um, a lot to examine in the forthcoming year. I'm sure we'll talk to you again. Matt, thank you for being on Politico Tech. Thanks so much for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. We've got big plans for Politico Tech in the coming year. We'll be covering global elections and tech wars, Supreme Court decisions, and industry influence in policy fights. And of course, a whole lot of AI. So if you've been enjoying the show, please share it with a few friends and colleagues and help us spread the word. And for more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.